Prepare to have knowledge bestowed upon you. Here comes the number one podcast for Dynasty Fantasy Football, half PPR, 10 and 12 man leagues. The Fantasy Podfathers. Welcome to the Fantasy Podfathers, the podcast dedicated to Dynasty Fantasy Football, 10 and 12 man leagues using half PPR as our guiding format. And as always, no kickers. That puts a damper on my opening. I was going to make a comment about how this was a a fantasy show where one of us comes prepared and the other one sits around and gets nicely toasted. Oh, they don't have to know. We pull it off. (laughs) Right. I won't won't be toasted. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I'm going to say the big game because I don't know if we're allowed to say what what it's actually called. I don't want to get in any trouble with the NFL, but... uh, yeah, we had that. Uh, we had that bowl. What you thoughts? It was super. <laughs> well, uh, well done. Well, fucking done. Take that, NFL. <laughs> uh, it actually, actually, no, it wasn't. Um, no, it, it wasn't. It wasn't. Um, it 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 was really. Uh, it was strange, wasn't it? It was like. We saw such great football leading up to the bowl that that when it actually came to the super game, it was kind of a a letdown because it was no one dominated. It was just a game. It was like it was like, oh, look at Jacksonville's playing Cleveland on Thursday night. Wow, this was way more clean than that. That's true. There was that one play. It was um, nice that the refs kind of let them go fairly early in the game. There wasn't a lot of flags. It moved along nicely. It was football, but it wasn't. You know, I've seen some. I've seen some classic big games, and this was not one of them. It was not. Um, I, I would argue this, in my opinion, on the AFC side, and and I'm a. I'm rooting for the Bengals. My daughter's a Bengals fan, so I'm watching this game. But I get done with that Super Bowl, and I think, man, Bills Chiefs, they could have blown out the Rams. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, hats off to the Rams. I know everyone feels good about Matt Stafford. I don't. Sizzling hot takes. I don't don't care. Like, oh. Oh, oh yeah, I'm that everybody. Guy. Oh, oh, oh! You yeah. can, you can, Matt Stafford, not during his moment. Oh, he ruined a he ruined a tradition in Detroit. Okay, <laughs> what, very, what make, very, making people regretfully retire and wish that yes. they had done so earlier. Yes, Barry you don't get Sanders to have a happy ending, go, you son of a bitch. Right, Barry Sanders didn't get to go play for a Super Bowl team. Kelvin Johnson didn't go play for a Super Bowl team. They just gave up. It's a Detroit tradition. Right, it so, took their will to play the game. It's right. You don't get to avoid that. What do you? He's got some right. kind of fucking amulet on. This is right. I call it shenanigans. It's ridiculous. You think everyone in in New England was excited that Tom Brady won with the Buccaneers? <laughs> oh, <laughs> you don't get that. Dan Marino didn't get to go out winning the Super Bowl just because he played for a team for a long time. I think it's. I'm. I'm offended by it. You know who else deserves it? Ryan Fitzpatrick deserves it. <laughs> Let's not get you know? fucking crazy. Well, come on. I mean, he what? Stafford played for one bad franchise. Fitzpatrick probably played for ten. 
Yeah, that's true. You know, I, I, no, I mean, I, no, no, fuck it. I don't like Matt Stafford, the story behind him. He should have got it. I don't like, I don't like how the Rams are built there. I'll say it. Oh, I'll they're, they're, you. they're coming apart. I mean, oh, that, yeah, yeah. that was it right there. They were built for that, so I'm glad they got it. Cause, oof, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be something else. I like what the Bengals represent. I like that that you know Jamar Chase and T Higgins and Tyler Boyd and Joe Mixon and Joe Burrow and that terrible offensive line. Right. Were were homegrown. I I, I like that. I was cheering for them for that reason. Uh, yes, Stafford got traded. That's great for him, but they also, I mean, they trade for Jalen Ramsey. They traded for Odell Beckham. Like I got, I got Von Miller. Like there's a little bit of like, you know, I know there's a salary cap, so it's less of that, but there's a little bit of a feel of like, you know, the Yankees versus the Marlins in this sort of matchup where it's just like, yeah, okay. You're, you're the LA. And then two, can we, can we be done? Like move the Super Bowl if the home team is in it. Like, <laughs> you know, it's two years in a row now, which means next year the Arizona Cardinals will be winning the Super Bowl. Well, what I'd rather see moved is the fucking Super Bowl, because um, we can either do <gasps> that. means, on, I mean, the big game, the Let's, big uh, game. We move the big Thank game you. to Saturday night because, good Lord, I mean, I'd like to sit up and get hammered and watch some football. But when it's Sunday night, I, I can't do that. Yeah, what about Valentine's Day being the next day? Yeah, right. Uh, save up, save up my energy. I'm sorry for yesterday. <laughs> right. I, oh, and I love you. Sat around scratching my balls watching lackluster football. It could not be avoided. I'll, I'll make a an argument for you on forget the Saturday piece. Just make it February 14th every year. <laughs> <clears throat> Amen to that. Uh, there's no no one can argue about a super game. Well, fuck adding that off week between the two games and then adding an extra week. We're in the middle of damn February now. Like I this know. used to be an end of January thing. They've successfully uh, pretty much filled the whole calendar now. The NFL mm-hmm. moved that like bang. We're turning around uh, in March. We're going to be having combines. Uh, April right. we've got a draft. Then there's going to be mini camps. Then there's that small dead period. And, uh, oh, yeah, free agency was back there. I glossed over it. Like, that that's what's happened. Free agency's become a gloss over. Yeah, it's true. Well, and I'll I'll say this, too. I mean, if you're in a dynasty league and you haven't started making cuts and adding players yet, you're way behind. <laughs> right. You should have probably dropped three or four guys and right. picked up some shit heaps that you're clearly not going to have come May. For sure. Pre-draft, those seventh wide receivers on rosters are important. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, let, you know, there's one interesting fact in the Super Bowl that I know it was kind of glossed over. It, they talked about it a little bit, but I think it's a big deal. And I want to talk about it, and I think it's a great lead into our next segment. The At the time, Sean McVay and Zach Taylor were the two youngest coaches in the NFL. Yeah. And they're playing in the Super Bowl. That's nuts. That is crazy. It's it's. I want to debate it a little bit here, um, because we have. How do I put this? We've got nine new coaches hired 
and the age is all over the place. Nine new coaches hired this year. Age is all over the place, but right, not real. It's 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 kind of crazy, actually. We have. I'm looking here right now. We have one, one, two, three, four, five, six NFL coaches below the age of forty right now in the NFL. It's fucking insane. It's crazy, but you can't argue with the results because the two youngest just played in the goddamn Super Bowl. And you can make the like I said with the Rams, the thing that ticks me off is you can make the argument, okay, Sean McVay, brilliant mind, of course he's an exception to the rule. You bring him in. But they gave him a Super Bowl roster. Yeah, he didn't come in hurting Yeah, when he showed up. Zach Taylor, you know, is this his third year with the Bengals? I think they were 1-15 or 2-14 when he came on board. So I'm giving Zach Taylor a little bit more credit than that. Now, I also will say, you know, he got Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. But still, right. that you still got to be a good coach to to get to the freaking Super Bowl. Yeah, they've um, got no line. I mean, right? it's, it, they got it's no impressive line. what they did. Like, I kept writing them off all the way through the playoffs. Like, okay, they got their first win. That was nice. You have your right. moment, Cincinnati. Uh, give each other big hugs. Have some feels. It's over now. And then, right. like, oh, shit. Well, they did it again. And and I really, the whole reason I wrote them off was that line. I just thought once you face some of the better defenses, mm-hmm. their weakness is going to be exposed. But it's like, yeah, you know what? We got enough offense. <laughs> we'll just right? we'll just wing it up there in a second and a half before he gets hammered. The unholy amount of times he got hammered in the big game. And I think, um, you know, uh, what's crazy, too, is, uh, you know, Bengals defense surprisingly did great in the playoffs. Um, yeah, I, I, I think a lot of people were. That's what shocked me the most watching them to be like, dang. I mean, I mean, they were honestly, an OK defense during the season. They weren't a yeah. bottom dweller. They weren't a must own. They were Mm-mm. middle of the pack spot start D and then they seemed to really pull it together. I mean, they, they were, I mean, the Rams did only score 23 points. I mean, it's a super bowl, but I mean, right. That's, that's and, pretty and really good. All those throws to cup. <laughs> he was fucking covered. Oh, he, like, he was shut down to accept that one drive and one pass. Like, I mean, Stafford, the, like, they they showed some of those. It's like, he's triple covered. I mean, hole in the zone, yeah, but it's yeah. the hole in the hole in the zone. There yeah. was, that's the only place he could have thrown that goddamn ball. And it, it yeah. I, that was impressive as hell. I mean, you, you look uh, at that field when the game started, you basically had Matt Stafford, Odell Beckham Jr., and Cooper Cup, and that was their offense. I mean, the the and Odell got hurt, but the running and game was non-existent. Beckham was Higby. doing it. Beckham yeah. was doing it early. Like I think yeah. they would have just kept going to him because they were going to take Cup away, regardless. Yeah, and they finally got to the end, and they were just like, "Fuck it, we got to go to him anyway," because I mean, we got nothing else. The Super Bowl was won with two guys in one cup. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh, I, I gotta get a beer after that. <laughs> yeah, let's let's get into it. Let's let's see if uh, let's see if any of these nine new coaches. Uh, well, we want to look at it this way, right? We want to talk about coaches. We talked about 
young coaches making the Super Bowl. So we can kind of throw the uh, the equation of like when we look at this, throw age out the window. In fact, we're almost entering an era where we need to see an older coach win a Super Bowl so we don't <laughs> flip this upside down and say, don't hire an old guy, right? Right. I mean, um, that's the way we're heading. Well, I guess we better, uh, you got to check my pockets. Looks yeah. like I should be good for a yeah. metal detector. Um, mm-hmm. I'm just going to sneak this beer in, in my pocket, and I think we're ready to get Ooh. on the plane. I think we should get on the plane. Ladies and gentlemen, buckle your seatbelts. We're about to go around the world. The plane! Um, the plane! So our first stop is a destination with uh, with nice warm weather and, according to some, wonderful massage parlors. <laughs> Let's head to Houston, Texas. The Probably the most um, – how, how would you put this? Clusterfuck? <laughs> Clusterfucky. Well, I, I want to say this. Uh, it would be – it would be le- leaving a, an elephant in the room, as they say, to not address the diversity situation that kind of happened again with coaching. Um, yeah. You know, going going into the la- – there was like, what, three coaching spots still open, and Mike Tomlin was the only uh, <laughs> minority head coach. Right. And all and he's the, done is never be below 500 ever. Right. And then Flores was like – uh, I'm mad, which I think he has a right to be. I don't think, unfortunately, the NFL will continue to NFL on. And uh, I think we're probably, I think what probably happens with the Brian Flores situation is we're probably about three years away from a Flores Kaepernick sort of documentary. <laughs> I don't think Flores is going to come out of this looking real good. I don't think so either. Well, I think what's going to no. happen is. Some owners are going to get in trouble for paying players to t- or coaches the tank. We could be down an owner um, by this time next year. There could be some new ownership. Like that Houston job legit could have been his. And he mm-hmm. even came out and said that. That should have been my job. I didn't get it because I sued him. And it was like, um, yeah, spot on, bro. That's exactly yeah. why you didn't get that job. I think it was a, I think it was an unfortunate move. I do think you actually would have gotten the Texans job as well. I do uh, too. But- Instead, they instead they hired his grandpa. Um, <laughs> and, and then they were like, look, see, we were totally going to hire a black guy. Why would yeah, you say we, that? We got this. Uh, we got this guy. He his name's Lovey Smith, but he's not the one you think of. He looks totally different now. He's got a giant Moses beard. <laughs> right. Because he went to like Western Illinois and got shelled there and. Like I said, you uh, you get those coaches, you go look at that tread, and you pull out a penny, and you stick it, mm-hmm. you stick that penny in there, and you can't see Abraham Lincoln's beard. He's got enough tread. Recycle that some bitch. I mean, I don't know what's going on in Houston, but I mean, I believe Oof. at the end of the day, he beat out Josh McCown. <laughs> right. I mean, who who they actually wanted to hire and probably right. actually would have hired without the right. Flores mess, but they're like, oh. We can't uh, hire a totally unqualified white guy with hair, you know, parted right. down the middle. That's, Damn it. We wanted to hire the underqualified white guy. Cause, right. Yeah. Lovey Smith was what last the Bears coach in the NFL. And he and got, I've got to give him credit for that. He got them to the Super Bowl with Rex Grossman. Yeah. But don't I mean, forget, though, 
it was really Kyle Orton that got him there, and Grossman just <laughs> took the reins at the end. So, I mean, you can't give him too much credit. Um, it was really Devin Hester in the defense, but he got it him. It really so was. I, you, can't, you can't take it all away from it. No, no. It's an so, accomplishment, damn it. So from a fantasy from a fantasy football standpoint, um, don't like it. Don't don't like it at all um, because of me, everything we just said about that Super Bowl run. Yeah, <laughs> that their offense was Devin Hester's special teams. This does not bode well. Yeah, yeah, it it doesn't. And I will say this: so so we've got um, I think three or four of these coaches hires are defensive coaches. So we're gonna maybe start with that for our coach breakdown here. Um, so defensive coach means, means what? Well, a defensive coach tendency always is to not outscore the other team. The basic philosophy is to hold the team from outscoring you. Right. Yeah. I mean, let's, that, that, let's that's win six to three. Yep, exactly. I just went through many painful years of Vic fan the, or the three Vic painful Fangio. years. Of, yeah. Where it's like, bangs. And honestly, he plays it so it close way. to the vest. Yeah, and in the NFL, if you're gonna lose, I would rather have you go down swinging. And a defensive coach that loses a lot is just the worst football to watch ever. You're yeah. Like, oh man, if we would have kicked that last field goal, we could have <laughs> and held him on that last drive, we could have pulled out a two point win. Well, like, especially after you absorbed the Tebow years, mm-hmm. <laughs> because I remember uh, when it first Tebow mania began, you were kind of for it. You're enjoying it. They were close games. They were exciting. And then it was like, yeah, I'm done winning six to nine. This isn't yeah. it was fun for a month. And now it's just fucking old. Right. So. We got to look beyond the the defensive coach and say because we're looking at this from a dynasty football situation. So we're going to look at the offensive coordinators for those defensive head coaches. And in Houston, we have a a fellow by the name of Pep Hamilton. Great name. Uh, good name. That that would have been a fun game to do. Is have you um, throw in four other names that you made up and see if I can yeah. pick out which ones were the fucking coaches? Because there's a few you probably could have got me. I yeah. have an ah Pete Carmichael made up fucking name. That's a made up guy. Pep Hamilton. No one's name is Pep. Right. Like no, that's stupid. You're trying to trick me. Pep Hamilton comes uh, from far, far away from the Houston Texans. Sounds like he wears bow ties. Yeah. Maybe, maybe suspenders. Mm-hmm. I feel like he drinks like he's not a coffee guy. He drinks like yerba mate <laughs> <laughs> sort of guy. Yeah. Um, Pep Hamilton was the passing game coordinator and quarterback coach last year for the Houston Texans. Oh, wow. Um, so it puts him in a unique spot, and I will say I, I'm intrigued by one piece of the Houston Texans next year, and it's their quarterback, Davis Mills. Um, I'm just curious because Pep Hamilton was a quarterback coach next year, or last year, so whatever they do in the draft, it's going to be Pep Hamilton is handpicking his guy. So if the Texans decide to not go free agent quarterback or go quarterback round one, 
He'll mean one of two things. One, it means that Deshaun Watson is playing for them next year. Or two, that Pep Hamilton really likes Davis Mills enough to make him their starting quarterback. Um, so I, I would with Mills. I do too. So I'm going to say, as far as needle up uh, for a player because of a coaching change, I would say um, Davis Mills value maybe goes up a little bit. He finished the year with an 88.8 quarterback rating, Eesh. a 67 percent completion. All right, with a 16 to 10 ratio. Uh, touchdown interception huh. for a rookie and a dumpster fire team. Uh, not, it's not bad. Not terrible at all. So, um, yeah, like I, I, th- I think I, I will say this from a dynasty standpoint, Davis Mills might be a nice name to think about. I can you see know, them be a, being a player in the running back free agency market, uh, yeah. either, you know, like overpaying for a dude like Penny Mm-hmm. Or uh, or uh, my favorite fit for that spot, Cordero Patterson. That seems like yeah. such a Houston move. Right. Like, let's bring in this guy. I mean, you do. I will say, too, like they have all three of their running backs on their roster are, are older fellows. So, um, OK, that is I mean, you've got David Johnson and Rex Burkhead, who they extended for one year. I saw they extended Rex. Mm-hmm. Taken aback by it. You're like, What? They did? Like, that's not the reaction you want when you sign a, a player back to your roster. Well, uh, we, we could go on forever about the Texans, but I don't let's want not. to. Yeah, let's not do that. I feel gross. Let's move on to what I think is actually even a grosser situation, if you can believe uh, it, is that Dennis Allen is the, now the head coach of the New Orleans Saints. Um, he's been their defensive coordinator for a long time. <laughs> wow. And, uh, and now he's the head coach of honestly what I think is going to turn out to be one of the worst offensive situations in the NFL in yeah, a while. That's a, that's a mess. You've got Elvin Kamara. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. You got some legalities. You've got Michael Thomas. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. You've got Michael Thomas. Uh, you legit don't know who your quarterback is next year. No. Um, and then there. Offensive coordinator is uh, the same guy they've had since 2009, and you've never heard of him. It's Pete Carmichael Jr. Oh. Right? Wow. So good. So he Sounds good. made up. Sounds like he's from a fucking 80s sitcom. Mm-hmm. He's the fucking nosy neighbor, annoying mm-hmm. guy. Hey, it's Pete Carmichael. Hey. Go home, Pete. I will as soon as I'm done keep teaching your kids flag football. <laughs> like, no. Seriously, fuck off and go home, Pete. Yeah. I brought your over side. some squirt. Your side of the fence, Pete. Fucking boundaries. So, Pete Carmichael basically has been under George Payton for a long time. Um We've never seen him call plays. He's obviously he knows he's 50 years old. He knows um, Sean Payton's system. But the thing with Sean Payton that made him so great was he always changed his system. (laughs) Um, You know, you can't go from Drew Brees to Taysom Hill and uh, Jameis, Jameis, Jameis Winston without changing the playbook entirely. So I really have no idea what's going on here, but I will tell you this. They're going to be a run-first team. They have to be. 
They're going to have to be, yeah. I don't know who their quarterback's going to be. Do you have any guess on who's going to be the quarterback in New Orleans next year? Teddy Bridgewater. <laughs> that's probably, that's I, probably I right. That's what but, my gut tells me. I mean, right, like, like I don't think – you can't attract a free agent. You can't attract a big name there. No, it's got to be somebody who – wants to start real bad and doesn't mm-hmm. have any other options like Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah. So I'm telling you, if you saw the Denver Broncos wide receiver and tight ends statistics just plummet this year when Teddy Bridgewater came over, um, I'm going to stay away from almost every piece of that Saints offense from a dynasty standpoint. True. Uh, if I had, if Camara hadn't uh, beat up some person in Vegas, um, I would trade high on him right now, but I think right. values, because of the unknown of if he's going to be there next season, you probably can't right. get much for no, him. But now you can't move him. Yeah, it, the, your window to shop him has closed. Yeah, we call it the Michael Thomas window. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so, I guess this hire. I don't know who the Saints would have to hire um, for me to get excited. Uh, Dennis Allen doesn't, and then. Turning to Pete Carmichael Jr. certainly makes me want to get away from that situation ASAP. So go home, Pete. Move your Saints. They should be marching out of your roster, not in. You parked in front of my mailbox, you peckerhead. <laughs> Who drives a dually? <laughs> Ross. Ross. Ross Dooley. 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 Yeah, I do like that. Uh-huh. Duly noted. <laughs> oh, well done. Uh, all right. Well, the next one. I mean, these just get exciting. This is just. I'm exciting. excited. I've got but, a half a stack right now. <laughs> well, I'm about to bring it all the way up because I'm going to lay this yes. name on you, Eberfluss. <laughs> I don't even know what that means, but I like it. <laughs> I don't know if it's Eberfluss, Matt Eber Eberfluss, uh, the. Defensive coordinator for the Indianapolis Colts from last year has now taken over for Matt Nagy, offensive super genius in Chicago. Um, so that's another situation where we got to look at the offensive coordinator and see what that means. And let me just make that a little bit more murky for you. Ah, great. I was hoping you would. Mm-hmm. Because that player is Luke Getze. Ah, it's a Luke Getze. <laughs> Sorry, he's not, he's not Italian whatsoever. It's just fun to make it. No, sound. but he sounds like a dish on the menu. Yeah. Oh, I'll take uh, I'll take the Luke Getze. Oh, it's very good this time yeah. of year. <laughs> I like the Luke Getze. Yeah, you get it. You like it very much. <laughs> It's, uh, you get some Parmesan, you have a little Lugetzi. Yeah, maybe. maybe the garlic bread. <laughs> it's nice. Yeah. Uh, he was the quarterback coach for the Green Bay Packers. And, uh, well, uh, well, their quarterback did well, so I guess what, that's all on him, right? That's what I was going to say. It, he's actually coached a back-to-back MVP quarterback last year. Yeah, and he clearly couldn't have done that without a Lugetzi. No, without Lugetzi. You know what this reminds me of? This reminds me of uh, Adam Gase. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, um, Adam Gase was the offensive coordinator when the Denver Broncos had Peyton Manning 
And then he was moved around to way too many jobs and never succeeded anywhere except, in fact, what Adam Gase did was he took good players and made them worse. Oh, he did. He was great at that. Right. And it was proven that when those players left playing for Adam Gase, they got substantially better. Better again. Like it it was it was just it was amazing. Right. But I, I don't know what to take here because. I don't I don't see anything that the um that the Bears have offensively that I can compare to what the Packers have offensively. Um Right. Really, I mean you've got um more of the piece in Chicago. We have Justin Fields who's a running quarterback, which is the opposite of Aaron Rodgers, right? Right. Um Darnell Mooney, which is not a Devontae Adams style. No, he's player. a he's a straight line speedster. Right, three, so three rockets up his ass. Right, you got him. He's maybe can play a little slot effectively, and then you've got um, David Montgomery and Herbert, friend of show, um, who are not anywhere in the same style as Aaron Jones and um, AJ Dillon. I just question uh, a first-time defensive coach hiring a offensive coordinator who's never been an offensive coordinator and has never been a quarterback coach without an MVP. Don't you, don't you just think the, uh, with that head coach, they're just going to, they're just going to run the ball with, with Montgomery and Herbert. The whole thing. Well, I just think like, I think they'll put in design plays. I think Justin, I think they'll try to make Justin Fields into more of a, a uh, Lamar Jackson than a Aaron Rodgers. Like get a vest. Because he's going to yeah. play close to it. So three three of the nine coaches were defensive coaches. Now we can get into kind of some more offensive head coaches, which means we don't have to really look at their offensive coordinator because they're going to be the guys calling the shots. Uh, and the first guy we're going to go to is for the Denver Broncos, Nathaniel Hackett. Or uh, I, I will tell you, obviously – you know, I followed the Broncos. I was excited for this hire, um, mostly because it wasn't Dan Quinn. Um, <laughs> I just didn't want that. Dan Quinn to me was just like like uh, Vic Fangio's stepson. Uh, I didn't I didn't I didn't need that all over again in Denver. Nathaniel um, Hackett was the offensive coordinator for the Green Bay Packers last year. Um, Matt Lafleur, being the head coach, actually called Lafleur. the game Lafleur. But Hackett was the one who did, who uh, set up the game plan, and we actually have a few coaches like that um, in the league this year, which is really interesting to me. But um, you know, the big the big question is with Hackett coming to Denver that everyone talks about is does that mean that Aaron Rodgers is going to Denver? Um, and I will tell you. I don't think it matters. I mean, obviously, it's huge from a dynasty standpoint. If Aaron Rodgers goes to Denver, obviously the value of all of those players goes way up. But I will tell you this, too. I think the value of those players goes go up regardless because it's not Vic Fangio at the helm. Oh. And, it, you know, it's not Pat Shermer. At the helm, we had two very old-school, conservative, defensive and offensive coaches running the Broncos. Um, Their GM made a point last year of re-signing Tim Patrick and Cortland Sutton uh, to to long-term deals, which means 
they were investing in their offense, and those guys went on to do nothing with those contracts afterwards. That was not a last year investment. That was a this next uh, this season investment. So Rodgers or someone else is going to play quarterback, and I will tell you, Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, Noah Fant, Tim Patrick, and Javante Williams' value are all going up. Uh, Denver will switch their philosophy. Um, they need to put fans in the seats out there and they need to score points. I don't even think they have to win. I can tell you as a Denver Broncos fan, if you want to go two and 14 and put up 35 points a game, please go for it. <laughs> like I just, we just cannot take this style of football anymore. So, uh, I think he was brought in to score points and I think all of those offensive players value goes way up. Um, we're going to go into one of my favorite coaches of all time. Joshy baby boy McDaniels. Uh, uh, he's going to be the head coach of the Raiders. Um, you and I discussed this a little bit before the podcast. Um, we've got a pretty long sample size of what he likes to do. Um, he likes to do whatever it takes to win and not necessarily <laughs> stick with any one player. So we know he does amazing work with the quarterback position. So to me, uh, I'll, I'll say this. This is a, a, a guarantee. I'll put out a guarantee right now. Sizzling hot takes. If he stays healthy, Derek Carr will be a top eight quarterback this year. I'll put him in the top eight. Yeah. Yeah, I think eight's kind of the uh, over-under. Yeah, because we've seen him do – we saw what he did last year with Mac Jones as a rookie. Mac Jones came out as an exciting rookie to people. Give me someone who throws the ball a little bit farther down the field before I'm terribly excited. Yeah, he was oh. a game manager. But that that just goes to show what kind of Coach McDaniels is, right? He took a, a game-managing quarterback and got him into the playoffs. It's impressive. I, I don't like the guy, but he takes he finds a good talent, especially at the quarterback position. Um, what will happen is that the wide receivers will be unpredictable. The running back position will be spread out. It will not be just Josh Jacobs. And seven tight ends will be on the roster by the end of that season. A's <laughs> Beelzebelichek's clone. Oh, he's Satan. Yeah, I mean, for me, Josh Jacobs down, Darren Waller down. Little hot tip for you. I wouldn't even draft Henry Ruggs. <laughs> ah, good. I'm going to write that down. <laughs> um, he's one of those offensive guys where they used to actually kind of scare me because they've mm. got that fucking hubris. Where they say, "Well, it's me. I I have this offense, and I have the I can make anybody good in my offense." Oh yeah, give me Tebow. Sure, I'll take Tebow. I'll make it. We'll, right. we'll get to the playoffs with him. I can do that because my offense is great. Um, so that's why those dudes worry me. But he's got the talent in place already, so it's not going to be a case of that. Um, yeah. And I've heard on some podcasts lately. Brandon Marshall and some of the other uh, former Broncos players that played for him, they had nothing but great shit to say about how prepared he was, how well he knew everything inside and out. I was, they really turned me around on him. He's a guy that I would have been like, 
uh, yeah. after hearing his players talk about his preparedness, I'm, uh, I, I, I'd be okay. I'd go all in on that. You know, you just got to wonder if he learned from his stint in Denver that you have to be a little bit more uh, personable with your players, no matter how prepared you are, right? I mean, <laughs> like, you know, I, th- I think we saw we just saw this with Matt Patricia, right? Pro- probably a hell of a mind for coaching, but you you have to have the whole complete kit and caboodle to be a head coach. You can't just be good at one aspect of the job. Well, I think they think they're going to come in and be Belichick, and it's like you don't have that cachet. You can't right. just do what he does and think that that's going to translate for you. Oh yeah, I I, re- I remember some classic McDaniel moments. I mean, keep in mind he came in and and like didn't get along with Jay Cutler and traded him away. Right. You know, like he you, you got to be bending. I will say though, Vegas is the perfect fit for Josh McDaniels because there's no other place in the United States that has more cameras. <laughs> yeah they did mention he did like to do the filmy filmy as well it does do the filmy filmy in fact there's a, a great story by a, a linebacker for the broncos that points out uh their record going into a time he got caught filming and the record after he got caught filming and it'll be, it'll be i'm very curious I, I as a broncos fan i hope it crashes and burns into a horrible mess <laughs> i wouldn't be opposed to that either uh, let's go on to another uh, hire. Uh, Kevin O'Connell um, just got hired by the Vikings. Okay. That makes him the second youngest uh, coach in the NFL. Kevin O'Connell comes in. This is very similar to Nathaniel Hackett. Um, he's the offensive coordinator, but played under Sean McVay, who called the plays. So both of these guys came up with a game plan, put the plays in place, but at the end of the day, Sean McVay looked at his sheet and said, do this one, do this one, do that one. Right. Um, the questions surrounding Kirk Cousins are pretty immense in Minnesota, so much so that every time there's a move <laughs> in Minnesota, they talk about how it affects Kirk Cousins. <laughs> like, like, Kevin O'Connell's going to be the head coach of – in Minnesota, and he said he looks forward to working with Kirk Cousins. But what does that mean? What does he mean by that? Is is that code for he doesn't want to work with Kirk Cousins? Minnesota has some pretty good offensive pieces that don't really disappoint. I don't I don't see a lot changing for them. I I wouldn't think a lot uh, needed to be changed as far as personnel. Um, right. Well, and you you look at the Rams. And you know what they what they did this year, and they spread the ball around, right? I mean they they spread the ball around. They had a carousel at running back, which I think Delvin Cook and uh, what is it? What's their backup's name? Madison. Madison. Yeah, Madison. I mean, those guys will get their play uh, just like they did this year. Uh, Justin Jefferson's an elite wide receiver. He'll stay an elite wide receiver. Uh, Adam. Thielen, I could see him. I could see this be the year that Adam Thielen kind of takes a step back. I don't know if is he a free agent? No, he's signed. No, he should be signed. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know what happens with Adam Thielen. Um, he's more of a decoy, I think, at this point. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I guess even without Kevin O'Connell, I would think um, you know, God remember in your dynasty formats out there, uh, he got hurt last year. Irv Smith Jr., tight end. 
He didn't play at all last year. He had a it was a weird injury because he he had an MCL tear that could have been a six week injury, but they decided to just shut him down for the year. Um, but I don't think Kevin O'Connell hire changes much uh, in Minnesota. No, that could be Jerry O'Connell. That ain't going to make no difference. Uh, here's the, to me, the most interesting of the hires, the most like, hmm, I wonder. Uh, and that is the Dolphins hiring Mike McDaniel. Now, you might look at a picture of Mike McDaniel and be like, dang, they got Samuel Jackson. No, no, you're wrong. He's He is actually has a, a little bit of Caucasian to him. This is the strangest. You, do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I right? didn't until recently because I – the funny thing is I'd actually seen – somebody put a picture of him online. I didn't even know who yeah. it was. And they said uh, – um, what without knowing who this is, what does this person do for a living? And I said, "Oh, he's a professional lurker with an an emphasis on bushes." Like, I thought he was some fantasy fucking dork from some podcast, and that these guys were making fun of one of their own. And then two no. weeks later, but oh no, he's the hot new coach. He is. Uh, you know, he's coming. He plays under Mike Shanahan. He's coming from the Shanahan coaching tree. Um, you know, offensive minded guy, of course, the Dolphins, they need, they need an offensive minded coach. Uh, Brian Flores was a great coach, but, um, I don't, oh, let's just, I feel like the Dolphins might've been falling into the same territory that the Broncos had fallen into the, they weren't winning games and the players were like, if we're going to lose, let's score points. Uh, Right. Let's lose fun. And the Dolphins don't have the guaranteed ticket sales like the Denver Broncos have. Um, so I, I think the Dolphins, I don't think, I, I say the needle points up on every offensive player. I don't, he did say something he likes Jalen Waddle. Waddle was already a hot name. Um, he's going to look good. I think we're going to know if Tua Tagliavoa is a NFL quarterback or not by the end of this year. I'm going to be interested to see if they try to use Waddle in kind of that Debo Samuel role or if they just keep sending him on nine go routes. Last year we had no clarity at the running back position in Miami, like none. Uh, You know, like literally like one game you'd be like, oh, Mike Brown looks great. Malcolm Brown looks great. And then you'd be like, oh, no, no, Miles Gaskin. Oh, no, no, no. And then you know how the season ended? Salvatore Ahmed. Yeah, but you might have forgot that the number one running back for week 16 of the fantasy football playoffs was Duke Johnson. I do remember that. Right? So, like, but if you look at uh, San Francisco, what they've always done with the running backs, they always go in with 13 people on the roster, but they end up really, outside of injury, just having one guy be the guy when they go into a game. So... I will say whatever running back ends up in Miami, I would say their value is way higher than any running back in Miami from last year. And I also really like Mike Gusecki. Is he a free agent, though? Look at the Mike Gusecki contract. You know what they say about the devil's lettuce and that short-term memory. <laughs> That's it. It can do that to you, can't it? Wouldn't know. 
No, of course not. Not not in Wisconsin, you wouldn't know. Right. Uh, Mike Gusecki is... Uh, you are correct. He is a free agent. Exactly. Uh, yes. So, yeah, I guess... I think we've talked about what different homes for running backs, and I think one player that I tagged that I liked going to Miami to stabilize that was Melvin Gordon. Oh, I, I love that move, yeah. And I think uh, I think Melvin Gordon actually really fits the Mike Shanahan style running. So um, I would love to see him go down there. We've got two coaches left here. Um, I feel bad because I'm probably not pronouncing half their names right. But uh, I don't know if it's Brian Dobble or Brian <laughs> da- Double or Brian Dobble. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I think I'll just go ahead and call him Brian Double. Uh, he is the offensive coordinator of the Bills. Um, if I think there's one coach hire that's going to switch, change a franchise around dramatically quickly, I think it's him. And um, I, I, for some weird reason, I feel like you're a Daniel Jones guy. Uh, I believe I'm 50% invested in him. The potential there, especially now the way that the whole quarterback market, we're kind of losing some of those top end veterans. He's surrounded by weapons that can't stay healthy, but it looks like mm-hmm. they've committed to him and they want to build an offense around him. And I'm here for it. Brian Dobble raises Daniel Jones' value up. Um, I don't know what he does for Saquon Barkley. I don't see Saquon Barkley getting any worse, so I think he's good for Barkley. I mean, really, uh, you know, last year, if you watch what happened to the Bills' offense, they were like, uh, we'll try Devin Singletary as our starting running back. And they're like, no, 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 we should try these other guys. And then at the end of the day, they're like, actually, we were wrong. Devin Singletary was the best decision. Yeah, um, we should have done that. Right. So I think Saquon Barkley uh, has a little renaissance himself. I will tell you that one wide receiver on that team will become the guy, but I can't tell you who that's going to be. I'd put my I money on Kadarius Tony, but. You, you'd go Kadarius Tony. I mean, there's Kenny Galladay is still there. I can't see them bringing in a free agent wide receiver. They've done that too much. Yeah, they um, they still have all that all that money on the books to Galladay. Yep, but i i can't I can't see any scenario that um, the passing that Daniel Jones' value doesn't go up and the wide receivers' values go up as well. He's he's a I think he was the right hire for the Giants. Uh, and then we're on to our last hire, who is Doug Peterson, <laughs> who looks like Myrtle Beach. Yeah, that's a great description. I was, I actually, you know, I'm actually looking at a website with that has a picture of all these guys on it, and he really, I can't imagine. Looks like that. a nine a.m. tea time. I know. Like every picture I see, I'm like, he's wearing flip flops. Yep. Like at the bottom of that picture is flip flops. Um, <laughs> like dude doesn't wear underwear. I think he's actually really good hire. Strangely, um, I, I, I kind of, yeah, I think that's a good fit. I just, uh, you know, they they tried to go sexy with urban hires, and uh, I just, it didn't work out. They brought in this, uh, they used their first pick on a quarterback. Urban Myers was so bad, we have no idea what we got. Um, I would not like Doug 
Peterson hired in any other spot. That is but, weird. I feel the same. Like it's just Jacksonville just needs like an adult. <laughs> right? Like, can you just come in here and tell these kids to settle the fuck down, get them right. their peanut butter sandwiches and get a fucking nap in and we'll just right. see what happens. Right. No, no, no. Don't climb on that. We don't yeah, do God. that here. God damn it. Use a fork. <laughs> exactly. Like, like they, why do I have to tell you this? Who was right. in charge before I got here? Right. right. Oh, we don't need a- never mind. I get it. It shouldn't take Twitter for me to learn that I need to run the ball. <laughs> what are, what are they saying on Twitter? What we should do? Yeah. What, do that. What, what, yeah. What would make me look cool with the ladies? Did they want me to run the ball? Um, yeah. I, I think uh, I, I think what this does for franchises immediately says, all right, we will find out in the next three years if Trevor Lawrence is a franchise quarterback or not. And Agreed. this – this lets them figure that out faster than going through. I, I don't. I don't like a Mike McDaniel's going here. I don't like a Nathaniel Hackett, a Kevin O'Connell going here because they, they, they just need. They need something boring for a little while. Like if they would have hired Vic Fangio to come in here, I would have been okay with it because they just right. need. This just a franchise that needs some milk toast stuff. Two thousand. 18 2017 was the last time the Jaguars had a good offense. We've talked about this before, maybe on the show. Who was the offensive coordinator for that team? Blake Bortles. That's the quarterback. No, no, he was the everything. He was the heart uh, and the soul. The offensive coordinator for that team was Nathaniel Hackett. Oh, no shit. Just to give you an idea of the Jacksonville Jaguars, he took Blake Bortles and turned him into a superstar that year. And then the next year, the Jaguars let him go. So I guess if we're going to do a quick like recap of, of these coaching changes and who really benefits the most, uh, if I'm going to give me uh, give me three players whose value goes up significantly based off the coaches' hires. Just who's on rosters right now from those hires. Uh, I like Waddle. Mm-hmm. That's definitely an improvement. Daniel Jones. Yep, he's I, I on like my list. That. That's definitely the commitment to him was huge. And uh, Carr. Yep. Okay. So you, so you hit two of my three guys. All right. I, I think Carr and Daniel Jones are are my guys. I'm gonna cheat. I'm gonna cheat a little bit. Is that okay? Can I oh, cheat? You son of a bitch. Yeah, I'm gonna cheat a little bit. I'm going to tell you it's the wide receivers for Denver as well. I thought about that. I got to get you this. This is a, a crazy statistic, but I don't think people understand. Well, well, while I'm looking, let's throw out a guess. Uh, who do you think the leading wide receiver for the Denver Broncos was last year? I actually do not know. Patrick? That's a, that might You might actually be correct. It might have been. He had a solid year. Okay, their leading wide receiver on the year last year was Cortland Sutton. Okay. Played every game. He had 58 catches, 770 yards, and two touchdowns. Oh, that's disgusting. We should feel ashamed of themselves. Here you go. Check out this. Your top three wide receivers for the Denver Broncos, Jerry Judy, Tim Patrick, and Cortland Sutton, all averaged 
45 yards a game. Oh, that sounds like what you want. Yeah, between the three of them, that's 150 yards. 100, 135, you know. Yeah, yeah, 135 yards a game with your top three <laughs> pass catcher. So I can't see a scenario that, that the touchdown total and the wide receiver total doesn't, like, skyrocket from there. That's just god awful so um that would be my that would be mine but yeah i think we unanimously agree on daniel jones and Derek carr are the guys that you should go out and try to get cheap uh if you can is even sending the bush lurker down to miami and thinking that waddle is gonna have an improvement i still don't buy in on tua and yeah and really, that's what everything in the NFL has come down to. It's quarterback, quarterback, quarterback. You can draft one. Um, then you got to get a guy that can get the most out of him. That's The whole game has become about the quarterback position. And that's really, that'll tell you, that's what the bulk of these hires were about. Yeah. yeah. You know, quarterback, coach, offensive coordinator, quarterback whisperer. Uh, mm-hmm. Shanahan tree guy. I mean, it's it's all about that position. You know, now now what's interesting too is you get to watch these coaches, and you know, the, some of the stuff we'll start uh, talking about here in the off season. Uh, what free agents do these coaches bring in to fit their offensive and defensive schemes? What what's what their cuts? draft strategy? What cuts? Who's gone? Who's in? What trades are there? There's there's so much that happens now where you get to an idea of oh, you know. We we said Daniel Jones is a guy we really like needle pointing up. It's possible that he's not their quarterback next year. I mean, we two, could be two months ago we were talking about him as a possible safe cut, right? Yep. So uh, there's a lot that'll happen, and I think we'll be covering, um, you know, getting a league started upcoming here too. Like, okay, this is the time to start thinking about that if you're going to build a a franchise for the first time. What are you, uh, what are you going to do? So some good content coming your way. <laughs> Let me tell you, I have been brought in as a consultant on two separate dynasty startups. It is a little bit convoluted. There is a lot to go through and it, there is ways to do it bad wrong. <laughs> yeah so that's really what we want to help you avoid um if you're going to do a startup and you're not sure what you're doing uh we'll, we'll hook you up we will teach you how to get close to winning a championship game at some point in the next decade <laughs> well we'll teach you how to run a viable league that lets someone else have a chance to get to that championship yes you will learn how to be happy for other people on a regular basis You will be mediocre to just above that forever in a league that keeps running. Then that's the main thing. You'll be able to confidently explain your bad decisions (laughs) with statistical and visual evidence on why you should have been right. (laughs) That's it. I was right. I will prove that with these analytics. (laughs) You'll well, see sir. clearly that I made the right wrong decision. 